Mic check, mic check, one, two, one, two. There we go, there we go, there we go. All right, loud and clear, loud and clear. Let me, let me take a knee real quick. Um, Father God, we come before you this morning. We pause from all the drama, the chaos, the normalness of life. We come before you, Lord God, into this, this place of worship to, to hear a fresh word from you, Lord. And um, I don't know every circumstance in the room, but I know you know every circumstance in the room. And I pray that um, every heart be able to take away something from this message that would be of benefit, of, of encouragement, maybe of conviction, Father God, that would uh, help us and enable us to um, better follow you, obey your word, and live out what you've called us to be in our lives. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Pray I decrease and that you increase. Amen. Amen. So um, a couple of y'all picked up on that mic check, mic check, one, two, one, two. I heard a couple of people out there that laugh about it or, or giggle. Um, so a little bit about me. I'm a resident here at Tri-Cities Church. Um, many of you who have been uh, here for a while know that. Some of you may be visiting. Um, and what, what a residency is, it's something like an internship. And so I have the privilege of, of being here, and Tri-Cities has been that place. God has allowed it to be that place where I'm able to grow and stretch my gifts, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to stand before you this morning and do just that. Um, however, it's still a little bit about me getting to know y'all, y'all getting to know me. That's, that's, all, that's part of the residency, is uh, developing relationships within community. You know, um, so a little bit about me, right? Um, I rap, not as much as I used to, but I still do from occasion, on occasion. So I'm going to spit a verse for y'all real quick. Um, Whatever I gain, I count it all loss. Ain't worth nothing to me if Christ I lost. Whoever want to save his life in the end to be lost. If you want to live, die. Don't tiptoe soft. Faith ain't worth nothing if it's all talk. That Matt 1, 6, 24, that call, tell a man to deny himself and take up that cross. And Father, the Savior, whether that's a martyr to the cause, I'm willing to give it all. Homie, that's my resolve. You can quote that, post that, tweak that blog. Only 511 feels six foot tall. Barely 200, but I'm heavy. Rick Ross, because Christ got me. Seal, lock. Go 12 rounds, Balboa, Rocky, few bad rounds, can't let that stop me. Stumble, get up, pick your dang feet up, Mr. DJ, turn that re up, D up. Front line, can't nothing beat us. Christ already conquered death. Bring your heaters, Miller, Mita, King, Jesus. We'll be on the block or wherever the spirit lead us. So, glory to God. So, that's a little bit about me. Another, another thing about me, and I want you guys to notice. Um, I felt led to share it. It was just confirmation this morning. But um, this is the fifth time I'm going to preach this sermon in particular. Right? The fifth time. So, um, one or two things can happen. Either it, or I had the opportunity to do one or two things. Either I could get uh, lax and complacent because I'm somewhat familiar with the, with the text, or um, I could press in and really like seek what God had um, to say this morning for Tri-Cities Church. Because the message itself is one of those messages that I believe had a, has a prophetic uh, utterance to it, meaning that um, it's applicable to the whole body of Christ. 
You know, it's one of those messages that you can preach over and over again. And so I was just talking to another member this morning, like that may be one of my pocket sermons. You know, um, you never know when God might open up a door for you to speak somewhere. But um, so I told a little bit about me. I want to share. I want to I want to find out about you guys, too. Right. So um, I am a big superheroes fanatic. So I'm going to ask you a question. This is a um, qualifying question to find out if you, you know, if, if I can roll with y'all or not. So on the count of three, I want y'all to give me your favorite superhero. On the count of three. One, two, three. What was that? Oh, my gosh. Was that Wonder Woman? I knew it was something about you that I didn't quite vibe to. <laughs> let, let, me, let me close in those parameters a little bit, class. Let me, give me your favorite Marvel Comics superhero. DC is cool, but if y'all know, you watch DC movies, they're kind of just dark. It's a dark element to them. Um, so on the count of three, give me your favorite. Let me let, me, let, me let you know that, that disqualifies Wonder Woman. I'm sorry. I'm, she, she's my girl, though. She raw with um, it disqualifies Superman, disqualifies Batman. So if you have any other superheroes um, in your holster, one, two, three. <laughs> Yo, I like that though, that persistency. We can ride, you know, that's that stubbornness, like, okay, all right, that's cool. By the way, she did like outsound all of y'all. So y'all really need, like, if you call yourself a fan, you need to go hard. That's the fan right there, okay? <laughs> but I didn't hear anybody say, I, I didn't hear anybody say Stan Lee. Man, that's my man right there, Stan Lee. If you didn't know who Stan Lee is, Stan Lee is the creator of Marvel Comics. Like, um, if you appreciate Marvel Comics, then you got to appreciate who Stan Lee is. Because without Stan Lee, there would be no... Um, X-Men, there would be no uh, Marvels uh, or Captain America, there would be no Black Panther, all of these superheroes that we look to and, you know, we, we want to throw our money at to go sit down and be entertained for two and a half hours. We have this man right here to thank, thank for that. And so if you didn't know who Stan Lee is, Stan Lee t has a cameo in every movie, you know, so if you watch a Marvel comic superhero movie, like you see his face for at least five or six seconds of that movie. And it's, all, it's usually comical, um, pretty funny. Uh, but man, and speaking of Stan Lee, right? And nobody says Stan Lee. It's a good segue into um, this next series that we're gonna be on for the next three weeks. It's called Unlikely Heroes. Because if I, I asked everybody like, who's their favorite superhero? And nobody shouted out Stan Lee, meaning that I can assume that nobody would go willingly pay money to see Stan Lee rip off his shirt and take off into the air <laughs> and then fly down and save a, a, um, a bunch of school kids on a school bus. It's just, it's just one of those things. It's unlikely, right? Unlikely heroes. So this morning, um, we want to dive in to this text and we're going to look at Joshua. Um, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, and then we're going to jump to 7 and 9. And it reads as follows. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people. 
the Israelites across the Jordan River into the land I have given them. Then verse 7 starts and it says, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And then verse 9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So um, a little background information as it pertains to Joshua. Joshua was the son of Nun. It's almost like a play on words, or like a pawn almost, because if you read about, if you search for like none in the Bible, you're not going to find any references to him. You're not going to find anything as it pertains to his uh, family background. So it's literally like saying he's the son of none. Like we don't know who uh, his, his, his daddy is. And not only that, but Joshua was like 80 years old when he's taking on this charge of leading Israel into the promised land. So he's 80 years old. And then also the Bible paints this picture of Joshua that, um, that, that shows him to be faithful, shows him to be obedient, shows him to be trustworthy, and it shows him to be somewhat like of a brave heart. And um, if we're not careful when we read Joshua, oftentimes we can overlook the tension that Joshua lived the entirety of his life within. In fact, um, leading out of Deuteronomy, into the book of Joshua, right, there's this comparison made, not intentionally, but it just speaks to the character of who Joshua is following, right? And the Bible says in in Deuteronomy, the last verse in Deuteronomy, I think it's 29, and he says, uh, there is none like my servant Moses. And it compares and says, whom the Lord spoke to face to face, right? And so Moses had, like, this credibility to him, like, man, you knew, like, Moses was the man. You knew, like, Moses stood in the presence of God. Moses spoke to God. God heard Moses. It was a relationship there that, um, that just gave Moses this credibility that no other man to follow Moses could have. And the Bible makes that clear. It says, no other Moses, is so, I mean, no other, no other servant of God is like my servant Moses, who I spoke to face to face. And then you got Joshua. Joshua has to follow that lead. It's almost like, like every NBA player that comes up in the NBA, they're, they're automatically, um, most of the time, compared to Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? It's like comparing, like, okay, Joshua, who is this dude? Moses spoke to God face to face. What you got? You know what I'm saying? Moses split the Red Sea. What, what you working with? You know, Moses struck the rock and water flowed from it. What you did? You know, so it was, it was this like shadow. And I think that relates to us a lot of times, especially when it comes to our faith, right? Because a lot of us sometimes, um, some of us may be, um, we accepted Christ and nobody else in our family has. But a lot of times, like our faith is passed on through tradition. Right. Like we inherit it through our parents. And so 
um, we don't necessarily see God move perhaps like our parents or our grandparents might have seen God move. So there's oftentimes this um, disconnect because we feel like we don't have the same relationship with God or God doesn't necessarily respond to us like he would have responded to our grandparents or our auntie or our mother or our father. So Joshua has this, this tension that he's challenged to live within that doesn't, is, that's not spoken quite um, often to. And it's this tension of, um, I, I classify them in three stages. Everybody go through these stages, right? And it's uh, who we were, who we are, and who God has called us to be. Who we were, who we are, and who God calls us to be. In these three stages, they often, depending on how we view ourselves and our situations, like through these lenses, it determines how we perceive us, those around us, and God. So an example of that would be, um, this isn't the first time that the Israelites had an opportunity to go into the promised land. This is actually their second opportunity to go into the promised land. The first time they went into the promised land, Moses sent forth seven spies, right? And those seven spies came back. All of them came back with negative reports except for two, Joshua and Caleb. And this is what they said. Because of the way they perceived themselves, where they came from, they perceived those around. This is what they said. They said, we see ourselves as ants. And I'm sure if we see ourselves as ants, they see us as ants. Yeah, that's a good, that's good land. In other words, in today's language, that's good real estate. I'm talking about you ever drove through a nice neighborhood and you've seen the big houses or what a nice house that you would like and you've seen a pool and you've even seen a playground, like a community playground, and you ride through and you're like, man, that's nice. I would love to live there, but automatically, right in the back of your mind, all of a sudden you say, I can never afford that. You know, so that's what was spoken in that situation. And that situation caused the children of Israel to wonder the, the, the wilderness, to be stuck in the, the, the wilderness for 40 years. And here it is, those 40 years have passed. Israel is back on, on, um, at the bridge of entering into the promise of God, into the promised land. And God says, be strong and courageous who we were and who we are who we were and who we are. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but to say that who we were and who we are is not the determining factor in regards to where God is calling us to be. You with me? I don't, God, 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 the amazing thing about God is this. God doesn't approach us from where we are and who we were. God approaches us from where he's called us to be. You take Adam, for example, right? God is all-knowing, Right? But when Adam sinned, rather than God approaching Adam from the place of where he sinned, he called out to Adam from where he designed Adam to be. So it says that the voice of the Lord was walking in the garden and spoke and said, Adam, where are you? Fully knowing where Adam was, which gave Adam the opportunity to respond back, I'm hiding, which God already knew because he's, he's all knowing. But God called him from a place of where he designed him to be. So that's where God calls each one of us. He approaches us not from where we were, not from who we are, but from a place of where he designed us to be. And that's in relationship with him. We live in this place. It's a fa uh, famous quote. I believe it's uh, my son corrected me. I, I want to say it's Shakespeare Hamlet. To be or not to be. That is the question. Right. Um, 
And that question pertains to all of us today. That, that command that God gave Joshua is transcendent to all of the body of Christ. Be strong and courageous. To be strong and courageous or not to be. That is the question. So who we are, who we were, and who we are. Another One last thing as it pertains to that is this. Those stages occur naturally. Regardless of whether you're in the faith or outside of the faith, whether you believe in God or you believe in some other deity or some other faith, who we were and who we are happened automatically. So an example of that, right? Um, the Bible says this. It says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. I reasoned as a child. But when I was a man, when I became a man, I put away my childish things. So as a child, as a young boy, um, I marveled at women being able to walk in high heel shoes. I just marveled at it. I'm like, man, because I couldn't, I mean, it's like walking on your tiptoes all day. You know what I mean? So my mom, she left her high heel shoes um, laying around the house one day. And as a young boy, <laughs> I tried on those high heel shoes and walked around in the house. Now, that's something you can do as a boy. You know, as a, as a young child, I stress that as a young child, because I wouldn't do that as a grown man. You follow me? So when I was at these stages, these stages we go through, these are things that we do. And I'm sure if we all look back over our lives, there are certain ways we used to carry ourselves when we were in elementary school. And as we got ready to transition into middle school, we were like, man, I can't do that anymore. And in fact, people who used to, people who still act like they were in elementary school, you tried to kind of distance yourself a little bit. Nah, I ain't hanging with Johnny this year. They on that immature tip. I'm trying to get, I'm, I'm getting ready for high school. You know what I'm saying? So this stage, it, it, it happens whether we want it to or not. The challenge, but, but when we start talking about who God has called, called us to be, that there, that takes intentionality. You follow me? God can call us, but in order us, for us to pursue God, it takes intentionality. So, which brings us to like, man, okay, God is calling us to be something. How do we know what that is? So we have to um, study God's word, Right? And as we study God's word, we get a glimpse of who God is. And so these are two passages I, I drew from, right? They're not exhaustive. It's not a big, like an all-inclusive list. But just two passages, Numbers 23, 19, and it reads, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? That's the word of God. Matthew 24, 35 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. That kind of gives us an idea as it pertains to the nature of God, like his character, who he is. God is a stand. Yahweh God is a stand up God. He's like, my word is concrete. You can I'm not a man. Don't compare me to man. If I say something, I'm going to do it, right? And it's important as we look at this text because as we look at this text, we find, we find repetition going forward from Isaiah verse 1 all the way through 9. And this is the repetition. We hear this, this word I, right? It says, I am giving. Verse 3 says, I promise Moses. I promise you. Verse 3 says, 
I am giving you. Verse 5 says, I will be with you. I was with Moses. Verse 5 also says, I will not fail or abandon you. And then um, verse 6 also um, reads, I swore to your ancestors I will give. Right? It's this repetition. And God is saying, I'm doing. I've done. I am going to do. I promise. This is everything God is calling Joshua and Israel to be is predicated on what God has said about Himself. You get it? We, everything God has predicated for them to do is on His word. So it's not reliant on their ability. What it is reliant upon is their willingness to trust the word of God, to trust that He's faithful, to trust that He is that he, that he, that he is um, worthy of being our leader, right? So who God is calling us to be. So we get an idea of who God is through those two passages. Now is this who, who God is calling us to be. And I think everybody kind of touches on this stage, and I think even for me as a minister, right, it's an ongoing process of, like, who God is calling me to be, and I think that, and I believe um, the Bible shows this clear, is that we can know what God's word says and still have a problem carrying through on our end, right? So, an example I have for you. I don't do frogs. Everybody has a list of things that they don't do or at least a small list of things that they don't do. I do not do live frogs. You know what I mean? And so and I, so it's this unwritten code, though, for men. I believe that, like, like, if there's nobody else around, then you need to man up and do what is right. You know, so my wife one day, and I, I'm sleeping, and uh, I'm, in, I'm talking about good sleep, the type of sleep you know, where you, you didn't even realize, like, you were slobbing, and you wake up, and you're like, oh, let me get that. So I'm, I'm in that type of sleep, and my wife, she comes to the bedroom. She's like, you got to get up. And I'm like, what's up? And she's like, there's a frog in the bathroom. I don't do frogs. You know, so I, I told her, I said, shut the door. And she was like, what you, want, what you say? I said, shut the door. I'm sleeping good right now. I'll deal with that when I get up, right? And so I'm just being honest. Don't judge me, right? Because some of y'all are like, judge, now you wrong for that. But so she shut the door. Lo and behold, I slept like an hour and a half, and then I got back up. And, and she was still in the house, and I was like, where you say the frog at? She says, the frog is in the kid's bathroom. It's under the lid of the toilet. I threw some books on top of it to keep it down. And so it's this narrow hallway I'm walking toward, and she's like, I grab a broom on my way there. And she's like, when you go in there, don't you ask for my help. Because my wife, like, I'm, I'm afraid of frogs, but my wife, she's like, boy, I'm talking, she's ecstatic about frogs. So I'm like, all right, I'm manning up, you know, I'll be strong and courageous, Gregory. You know what I'm saying? And I'm talking to myself, trying to encourage myself, and I go in this restroom, that's probably only about, like, yay big, tub here, toilet here, sink here. I close the door behind me, and I lift up the, take the books off, right? And I lift up the lid of the toilet, and it's this huge albino frog sitting 
on the lip of the toilet. And I'm talking about my heart is just like boom, 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 boom. So I'm strategic. I'm somewhat of a strategic thinker, you know what I mean? And I'm looking at the, the frog. I'm looking at the toilet. I'm, looking, I'm trying to get the broom at just the right angle. And I'm like, man, if I hit this frog at just the right angle, he's going to fall into the toilet and I'm going to flush the toilet. So I swat at the frog and the frog jumps. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. If I could really tell, like, if I could explain, like, if you could see a picture of me in that restroom with that frog and that frog jumping all over the place, and I'm, wow, wow, wow. And my wife is like, are you okay? I'm like, the frog jumped. Finally, 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 I got the frog. Some of you might be like, poor frog. And I'm, I'm sorry the frog had no business being in my restroom, that's what the outdoors is for, right? But I, I, I finally got the frog, and I, I, I'm not exaggerating. The frog was laid out like this, right? And so I swept the frog up on the dustpan, and part of me, I was feeling a little bad, but at the same time, I was relieved. Like, I was like, man, I was, y'all don't understand. Like, I almost had a heart attack. So I flushed the, to- the, 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 the frog down the toilet. I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. Um, <laughs> But I, that's, that's, that's the truth of the story. And I, and I say that to say this. I use that example to say this, right? It's one thing to know what God's word has said. It's another thing to be able to implement that word into your life, right? So here it is. Joshua and Israel were on the verge of entering into the promised land. And God repeatedly says, be strong and of good courage. Verse 6. At verse 7, he says, be strong and courageous. Then at verse 9, he says it again. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. So oftentimes, if we just read past that, we can forget all about the tension in which is taking place. And the tension not only to be what God has called us to be, but also of living in the shadows of somebody else's faith. And then all of a sudden having to step out of the shadows of grandma, granddaddy, mama, daddy's faith and taking ownership of it for ourselves. There's two different things. So the word says, starting at verse 7, be strong and courageous. Be careful. Obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. So it's the knowing and then it's the being. How do I get from the knowing to the being? And God gives us some clues within verses 7 through 9, and it's obey, study, and meditate. Obey, study, and meditate. So this passage of Scripture takes on a whole different look to Joshua, because in the Old Testament, there were over 600 laws. Can you imagine that, man? I had to just hang up my code and just call it quits. If you're talking about me trying to Memorize 600 laws and walk according to 600 laws. But when Jesus came in, he ushered in a new understanding. And a Pharisee came, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and they were trying to entrap him. He said, teacher, tell us what is the greatest of all commandments. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the love of the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, and thy strength. 
And he says the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus was able to condense all of those 600 plus commandments down to just two commandments. He says, upon these two, all the prophet and all the law hinge. Everything swings off of these two. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. And then it says study. Studying is one of those things I think we're kind of automatically programmed. Like you have to be a rare creature, a rare human being to just like studying. I mean, especially in a topic that you may not necessarily like. You know, and um, especially I think that school in a way kind of builds up this anxiety within us because like in school we have to study for tests. And some of us can study well but don't necessarily test well. So when you start talking about studying the word of God, a lot of people, at least in my realm, like that I've come across, they're like, I don't like to read, though. You know, so it's this thing of studying. Right. And it's studying with the right mindset, because it's one thing to read Joshua one time through. Like for me, like I told you before, this is like my fifth time preaching this sermon. I preached it twice at um, Momentum in Westbridge and I because they have two services. And then I, I spoke it twice at their Eagles Landing service. Um, and then so this is my fifth time preaching it. Right. And so it, there was an opportunity for me to get kind of complacent necessarily and be like, yo, I got this. But at the same time, like God has brought me to a point where I realized that, yo, I don't got this. I have to depend on you, Lord, and so I have to go back to your word, Lord God, to make sure that I say not what I believe should be said, but what your word says. I have to make sure that I draw out what you would have me to draw out, to to pour out to the people of God you have me to speak to. So studying the word with a mindset like that, man, I can't get enough of it. I can't get enough of God's word. And then Paul writes to Timothy, Timothy 2, 5, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a worker that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. And what that pertains, look, check it out. If you're not studying, trust that there is somebody studying, and that person that is studying could be studying wrong. And if you take their word for it, then you might be, you might be susceptible to false or wrong teaching. So the Bible says, study the show thyself approved. Yeah, you can come to church on Sunday, but make sure that you study in your word. You can come to church on Wednesday, but make sure you're studying your word. I have to make sure that I'm studying my word. And then fourthly, thirdly, it says meditate. Now, this one right here isn't in the Bible, but I found it true. This is what I believe. I believe meditation equals revelation. Revelation equals, meditation equals Revelation. And how does that look? It looks like taking the body of scripture or you might read, let's say you read through Joshua chapter one. And there's a portion of that scripture that just stands out to you. You just feel like it, it just connects with you when you read it. It's taking that portion of scripture and allowing it to play over and over and over in your head. A lot of times we don't grasp like what meditation is, but we often practice meditation. A lot of, if, let me, if you have a worry in your life and that worry plays over and over and over in your head, if you have some stress in your life and the, that element that's causing that stress plays over and over and over in your head, then what you're doing is meditating on that. And the meditation of that, like, and I, I don't have time to even get into that, um, but it has a negative effect on your body. And the word of God has, this, has the same ability 
except it operates in reverse. So when you meditate on the word of God and you allow it to soak, it's like, man, I love a juicy steak, you know, but man, you just can't put a steak on the grill and then serve it up to me. That thing has to be seasoned up right. Oftentimes it, has, it needs to be marinated. It needs to sit in that sauce or in those seasonings to where that sauce, um, that, that steak doesn't just, doesn't, doesn't just take on or have a coat of that seasoning, but that steak has started to absorb that seasoning, right? And what happens is that steak starts to become like, in, like it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it is saturated, but I'm saying like it's, um, it's, uh, it takes on the flavors. That I'll break it. That's the simplest way I can say it. It takes on the flavors of the seasoning that were placed on it. When I first gave my life to God, rededicated my life to God, I remember I started surprising myself, really. So I'm in the back. I was stocking in the back room. I was working at Publix, and a can, a 24-pack of cans fell on my foot. I used to cuss like a sailor. You know what I mean? And so that, can, that case of cans fell on my foot, and all of a sudden I was like, goodness, dog, on it. Oh, that hurt. And after I got done going through all the emotions of that pain, I stood back. And I'm like, yo, I didn't curse. <laughs> Nobody else was in the back room to get it with me, but I was just like in the back room, like, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, this was a miracle. I'm like, I didn't curse. You know, that's because the word of God has started to take effect in my life. And it wasn't that I was trying to eliminate cursing. It was that I was trying to draw closer to God. I was spending time in the word of God and inherently, it took effect on my character. So meditate on the word of God. I did have this picture of baby food. Where is it at? But that's what a lot of us eat when it compares to God's word, right? We order up these steaks, but what we're really eating when we don't allow it to mar marinate on our minds is like pureed baby food. And some of us need to be, uh, need to call child services. Because some of the stuff we're feeding our kids is terrible. I mean, look at that. That's, you might not be able to see it, but I can. It says turkey and rice. Doesn't look like turkey and rice to me. It says sweet potatoes and turkey. Whole grain. Mmm, that's healthy. Doesn't look like sweet potatoes and turkey to me. Some of us have these high expectations. One of them is, I mean, I don't like McDonald's, right? But I like McDonald's fries. And if I went to McDonald's and I have my mind set on fries and they give me some baby food that says Big Mac and fries, <laughs> we have a problem. You know, so when we don't allow the word of God to marinate on our hearts, that's exactly what we're setting ourselves up, pureed word of God. Doesn't have the same effect. Doesn't produce the same results. In fact, and I don't mean to get graphic with it, but if you feed your child baby food, their stool starts to look different. It comes out different. And I'm just being 100. If you have kids, you know it. So you have to supplement that with some solid food. Right? Otherwise, you got some runniness going on. Just being 100, just keeping it real. Joshua, if you have kids, you, you understand my pain when it comes to that. Let that die off for a second. Joshua 1.8, it says this. It says, only then 
Only then, after, after you obey, after you study, after you marinate, only after you meditate, I said marinate, <laughs> after you obey, study, and meditate, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Our success isn't based on our ability. Our success is based on God's word. That's, what, that's the hurdle that we have to get over because we're constantly taking inventory of what we can do, what we're able to do, what's within our power. Take our eyes off of our inventory and start looking at what God's word has said because our success is not based on our ability, it's based on God's word. And then we get into this question, okay, like, so what does it look like? What's this, what does succeeding look like and how does that apply to my life and this is the verse that I've been meditating on, right? Second uh, Peter 1, 3 through 4, and it says this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who has called us unto himself by his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious Promises. These are the promises that enable us to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. What are these promises? Galatians 5 gives us a list. It says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness and self-control. But. Standing over here, looking at all that, that can be like, man, that's, that's a big, hefty list. How do I go about tackling this list? But the word of God, 2 Peter says that we've received all of this already. We've received all of these promises that at the moment we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. This is the problem. Now we have God, his word, and his promises. But at the same time, we also have an adversary. And the Bible says, in John 10, 10, it says, the, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, our adversary, the devil, goes to and fro, seeking whom he might devour like a roaring lion. Right? It's one thing for me to tell, it's one thing for me to say, Sister Rose, and pull out a $100 dollar bill and put it up here on the pedestal and go, this is yours. It's another thing for Sister Rose to get up out of her seat, come up here and take possession of that $100. Not only that, after she takes possession of that $100, she still has to fight the temptations to spend that $100. Because don't you know, as soon as you get a little extra money, there's an extra temptation that comes along with it. So these are these promises the word of God says we have received them as soon as we accepted Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, patience, uh, uh, faithfulness, joy. Oh, my goodness. I got tied up just then. We received these promises. Why isn't it that we operate in these promises or walk day to day as though we have these promises? It's easy to come in here on Sunday and praise God. Lift up your hands. But what happens when you walk out of those doors? And then life hits you hard in the face. And then what was easy to do today becomes hard to do tomorrow. 
It was easy to come in here and praise God, but then it's hard for you to get in praise mode on the way to job that seems like it's sucking you of all of your joy, sucking you of all your peace. Or for that matter, go back to a place where you live and all of a sudden you're not able to keep your peace. And it sounds like it feels like everybody around you is just draining you. It's one thing to know the promises. It's another thing to possess the promises. And so it becomes this question of, okay, God, what does that look like? And as it pertains to the message today, we're talking about unlikely heroes, right? That means if you're looking in the mirror and you've disqualified yourself at some point in your life, and I'm sure many people in this room probably have because I do it even on a regular basis even where I'm at right now in life I still have some days I wake up and look myself in the mirror and I'm like well you're getting too old for this you know like time is slipping away constantly and it's this constant battle of reminding myself like what the word of God has said and walking in those just on the way to church this morning somebody wants to get in front of me driving 15 miles an hour down a road that, you're, uh, that legally you don't supposed to pass them on. You know, so I'm sitting there and I realize like this anxiety raising up in my heart and it's battling for my joy, it's battling for my peace. But because I'm aware of it, I'm able to go, you know what, God? I'm just going to ride. I'm just going to chill. I get there when I get there. Realizing that you knew exactly when I would get there. Realizing that This situation does not rob me of your blessing, nor can it, only if I let it. Our journey isn't based on being perfect, right? It's based on being strong and courageous in the word of God. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I want to read 2 Peter one more time. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 8. I'm going to read it a little bit further. And it says, by his divine power, God has given us Everything we need. Somebody needs to understand that. By his divine power, God has already given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, coming to know him, meditating on his word, coming to know his word. We've received all this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. And now he goes on and listen. These are the promises that enable us to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. In view of it all, Paul says, he says, Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence. Moral excellence, that, mean, that means if you don't have a brother or sister around and somebody walk past you and they catch your eye, yo, do what's right according to what you believe and according to what the word of God says. Moral excellence, right, with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patience and endurance. And patience and endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affections. And brotherly affections with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's a big, that's, that, that list kind of becomes intimidating, right? And I think if we approach that list 
with the mindset of doing it out of habit and trying to do it just because we know it's right, we're going to fall short every time. I also believe these promises, they follow a greater promise that Jesus gave to each one of us, a promise he made to his disciples. He says, if I don't go to the cross, if I don't die for your sins, then you will never receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he will teach you and guide you in all of my ways. Right? He will be with you forever. And because he is in you forever, I will be with you forever. This, this, this list of things to do, even the obey, study, and meditate. If we approach that small list with the mindset of doing it out of our own power, we'll fall short. But if we approach it in, in where we are and sincerely give up our hearts to God and God, and, and what that looks, and I'll just be personal about it, what that looks like for me is, God, I lift up my heart to you. Search it. Search my mind. Anything that is in it that does not please you, remove it. And I'm going to tell you, y'all, some of those weeds, some of the roots from those weeds, it's tough removing. You have to, it's a process of the Holy Spirit sometimes removing that stuff in our lives. And oftentimes, God does it through circumstance. He does it through circumstance. So what are, what are you wrestling with this morning? What are you maybe holding on to this morning that doesn't necessarily line up with the word of God. I encourage you in this. God is still calling you. God has still called you because where you're at does not determine where God has called you to be. What he did say, though, is it still depends on your willingness to follow me. And if you follow me, I'll show you what I can do. I can take an unlikely hero and use them to do great exploits. What does that look like for us as a church? 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love bears all, believes all, hopes all, endures all things. Man, I don't know about you, but I know Gregory. And I know my capacity to love people is not that great. But I know if I'm honest about where I am, God will help me to love not out of my ability, but through his Holy Spirit. And that produces way more fruit than Gregory would be able to do on his own. Tri-Cities, what does it look like for us as a church? It looks like a church that's able to impact their community. It looks like a church that can bear the weight of a brokenness, broken individuals. What does it look like in regards to an individual? It looks like an individual who goes home in the midst of maybe an abusive marriage or maybe in the midst of bills not being able to be paid and still speaking those things that aren't as though they were based on their faith and saying that my situation does not dictate who I am. Who I am is founded in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And because of the blood that he shed for my sins, I'm able to say that I am a child of God. He's making a declaration that I'll be everything your word says. 
I'll be. Tri-Cities, let me pray with y'all real quick. Father God, we come before you right now naked because that's how you see us. You don't care about the clothes we have on. You don't care about the cars we drive. You don't care about the houses we live in, the facade that we may walk in. Father God, you care about our hearts and you see our hearts. You see the things that we are wrestling with, the things that may, may cause us to wonder in different wildernesses. And Lord, right now, we ask earnestly that you help us to be strong and courageous. We just entered out of a series, Lord, talking about putting on the full armor of God, preparing our feet, preparing them with the good news of peace, putting on the belt of of, of, of truth, on the breastplate of righteousness, on the helmet of salvation, taking the, 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 the shield of our faith and the sword of your spirit. And lastly but not leastly, Lord God, remembering that it's our duty to pray. All that has everything to do with us walking in Christ, not walking in our own power, in our own ability. Father God, we're walking in what your son Jesus Christ did for us. So, Lord, whatever it is that may be hindering us, whatever it is, Lord God, that we might, we've been struggling with over the last month, over the last week, over the last year, right now, Lord God, we claim victory in the name of Jesus over every element of our life that does not line up with your word. For we know that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins if we confess it to you. And that's exactly what we do at this moment. Have your way in our lives. And we shall forever be careful to give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.